And uh, there's an incredible group, an incredible team that wants to walk alongside you in this journey. So uh, I encourage you to do so. Well, this morning, we're going to continue in our new summer series called Summer Shorts, and we're looking at books of the Bible, short books of the Bible uh, in the New Testament that we're walking through, and they're short. And we're going to be looking at uh, 2 John here in a minute, which is a very... Uh, only one chapter, it's 13 verses. You could read it in one sitting and then tell everybody, hey, I read a book of the Bible today. It wouldn't be that hard, right? And so I want to talk through that. And I want to talk this morning about how we respond and responding in love. You know, I, I believe that in life, circumstances, people, situations happen and we have to respond in such a way. And I believe that there's a way that we would respond that can honor or dishonor God. So I want us to think about how can we respond in a way uh, that honors the Lord. And I, w- I would say also that our response matters to God. Just as a matter of illustration, before we jump into Second John here, imagine you're at home on a Friday night, and uh, if your Friday night looks like ours, it's a low-key uh, hangout night as a family, and oftentimes around 7, 30, or 8 o'clock, my kids and myself, we're looking for popcorn at 8 o'clock. And so imagine you're at home hanging out on a Friday night, and you move from the living room into the kitchen, only to discover that your kitchen is on fire. In a panic, you, you reach out and you find your phone, you call 911 and you call uh, the dispatch and you say, hey, there's a fire in my house and I need you to send, uh, you know, in a panic, you say, I need the whole fire department here, right? And, and you talk on the phone and, and you begin to say, I, my kitchen's on fire, I need you to send somebody and the dispatch says, well, okay, let me see who's available, let me check. And then they respond, well, we only have one firefighter available with one small fire extinguisher, we're going to send to your house. Is that an under response or an over response? That would be an under-response, right? Okay, here's another situation. You're at the grocery store, and you have 12 items in your basket. It's not very busy in there. And so like many of us, we say, let's go to the 10 items or less lane. So you go to check out. The cashier's ringing you up, and she gets to your 12th item, and she gives you a look. You know what look I'm talking about. She says, sir, ma'am, you have 12 items in your basket. This is the 10 items or less. She then gets on the intercom, uh, pages the whole store. I need a manager on aisle two. Somebody has 12 items in the 10 items or less. The manager comes, says, ma'am or sir, this is unacceptable. You need to take all these items back and put them where you got them from, and you are hereby banned from coming from this store ever again. Is that an over-response or an under-response? So, some of the people are saying that's, a, that's an under-response, right? Here's what I would say to us this morning. Our response matters to God. How we respond in life and situations and circumstances matters to God. How do I know? Because we see in Scripture, Jesus is constantly after our heart. But his desire is that he would change us from the inside out. And when he gets a hold of our heart, that something would happen. How we respond in life would change. See this in his teachings, right? Uh, How do do you deal with someone who you're struggling to forgive, right? He says you should forgive them what? Seven times 70, right? Show forgiveness, our response. He talks about our enemies. How should we treat our enemies? Love and pray for your enemies. He talks about how we should respond to our children, that we should in no way hinder our children from coming to the Father. He talks about how we would respond as a church to widows and orphans, that we as the church should stand in the gaps and care for them. Jesus is after our hearts. 
And when he gets a hold of our heart, it should change our response to the world around us. Second John chapter 1, because there's only one chapter, deals with our response to a world who is standing against the morals and the teachings of Christ Jesus. I couldn't think about a more fitting passage for us to walk through today as we stand in a world who in so many ways is standing in opposition to what we stand for as Christ followers. If you've watched the news at all, which if you have, it's been discouraging, right? We see so many large organizations, so many large companies coming out with statements with values that stand against ours as Christ followers, which leaves us with a challenge as Christ followers. How do we respond? What do we do? Thank goodness that God gave us his word, amen? <laughs> Go to 2 John with me, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1, and if you have your Bibles, and if you're able to and, and stand and read with us, I invite you to stand this morning in the honor of the reading of God's word. Verse 1 of 2 John says this, The elder... To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only, but also who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will with, be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace be with us from God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Father, Son, in truth and love. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such as one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win the full reward. Everyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him in your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Second John, the writer, presumably John, is writing to a church. And some have perceived, commentators have thought that as it says to the elect lady, some perceive that to be a physical lady in the church who had been mentoring and discipling young children. Some understand that to be the actual church. Either way, the context and the takeaway for us, I believe, is the same. And so what is written in here, what the writer gives is insight for us on how to respond to a world who is standing in opposition of Christ, and therefore as Christians, standing against our morals. And I would say, too, that, that there is a difference between the lost in this kind of passage and those who are taking uh, and really standing against, right? They are false teachers standing in the way and the cause of Christ rather than just not knowing and understanding and receiving Christ Jesus as the Lord. So he gives us insight on how to respond to a world that has rejected Christ and thus his teachings. And here we go. Biblical strategies for responding to an ungodly culture. First thing you can write down this morning, center yourself on the gospel. Center yourself on the gospel. Verse 2, he says this. 
because the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. And he goes on to say, walk in that truth. But I love that as Christ followers, we are not left wondering what the truth is or where to find the truth. Rather, what he is saying in here, as Christ followers, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth resides and lives within us. Hallelujah, right? Amen. The truth resides within us. In other words, we know where to find the truth. The truth is not in the world. The truth is not in the news outlet. The truth is not on Facebook. The truth is in the word of God, and it resides and lives within us, and we are to center ourselves in the middle of God's truth. How do we respond to an ungodly culture, ungodly world? Center yourself in the truth of God's word. The writer makes the point that we are to abide in it. You know, I, I love that uh, the teaching of Christ, of the gospel, it is, again, truth within us. And let me say it like this. When you're driving most uh, uh, two-lane roads or, or, or just one lane, uh, there are three lane or three yellow lines, right? And some of you may know this. Uh, if there's more lanes, there's more lines. But just on our normal road, there are three yellow lines. As a driver, it is helpful if you stay in just two of those lines, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, things can get hairy, okay? Stay in those two yellow lines on either side, right? And, and often what I see sometimes, not, my, my, not talking about myself, right? None of us are talking about ourselves, right? Some people like to swerve in between those yellow lines. This isn't healthy. And then I see some of those people like to go outside that yellow line to the other side, right? Can I tell you, the gospel is very much like those lines that guide us in life. They keep us safe in the truth. They guide and direct our path to where we should go. And, and when the world around us is going against what we believe, let's don't get out of the lines and the guides of the gospel. Let's stay right in the middle, in the center of that. Before we respond to the world around us with a Facebook post, before we respond to the world around us with condemnation, before we respond with judgments, let's center ourselves in the word and teaching of Christ Jesus. I think of it this like, let, not what the gospel, or let us not inform what the gospel should say or how to say it. And rather, let the gospel inform us on what we should say and how we should say it. Too many times, sometimes we want to bend the Bible to say what we want it to say. That's not exemplifying truth. Rather, we should let the truth of the gospel inform us on what to say and how to say it. The idea there is to center ourselves in the gospel. James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I know all of us operate under that mentality, right? It's difficult. It is difficult. But the truth abides in us, and we must walk in the truth. Second thing you can write down this morning is let your response be love. But one that we have heard talking about the commandments, the writer says, from the beginning that we love one another. You know, for all intensive purposes, the letter of 2 John is all about false teachers. It's all about combating a culture and people who are standing against the word of God. 
But can I tell you what's probably talked about the most in 2 John is let our response be love. Can I tell you when the world comes and stands against what we believe and it's challenging in our time and age, what can happen is it can rob us of our joy and our love for one another and for the lost in the broken world. It can rob us. When we're facing challenging circumstances and times when it's, it's difficult to stand up for what we believe, and a lot of times it can rob us of the joy and the love that Christ has given us. But what the writer is saying is don't forget what Christ has commanded you. Don't forget the commandment that you have had from the very beginning to love God and to love others. Stand in that love. And I think it's too, it's, it's a love for those who are lost and those who are broken, but I also think it's a love for one another. You know, and, and some understanding, some commentators believe that this love for one another almost serves as a protective barrier over the church and the body of believers. Let me say it like this. If you have kids, what do you do? You serve to protect your kids. You watch over what they listen to, what they watch, because you want to protect them from the broken influence of the world. You want them to know the truth of the gospel. It's the same way in the church. If we love one another, we help extort, we help pray for, we help encourage in the word so that we can stand firm in our faith and walk away from those false teachers and abstain from that. And so it's the same way. He says, don't neglect loving one another. Don't neglect loving the lost world. Keep in remembrance, the commandment that you have had from the very beginning. Now, you may say, Sam, why, why should we walk in love? Why should we love a broken world? Why should we love one another as what the writer says? I'd say, first off, it's in obedience. Christ has commanded us, God has commanded us to walk in love, so we must therefore walk in obedience. But also, there is the namesake of Christ. See, when we don't walk in love as Christ has commanded, whose name is hurt? It's the name and the representation of Christ Jesus. See, when the world doesn't see us walking in love as Christ has commanded and people see us acting out in anger or malice or judgment, what happens? They look at us as Christ followers and say, well, if that's how they walk and that's how they behave, I don't want anything to do with the Christ that they represent. Walk in love. But I also would say that why should we respond in love? Love is what draws others unto Christ. How will the world know that we are Christians? By what? Our love. Our love. Third thing that you can write down this morning is the writer tells us that we should keep watch over your witness in your theology. He says this, watch yourself so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. He's talking about our theology and our witness here. And, and again, you know, Christ has called us to be a light in what? Come on, you can participate. Light in the what? World. That's right. Light in the darkness, right? And as we go out and to be a light in the darkness, a light in this world, Christ tells us if we're going to be a light in the darkness, it means that we, as we live in this world, it is a broken and fallen and dark world, right? So we got to take light into it. How many of you have tried to walk without a light in the darkness? 
This is a little bit difficult, right? I, I was taking out the trash the other day like I had a million times. I didn't have a light. I didn't think I needed one. I knew the path. I was walking there, and I was anticipating my steps, anticipating where I had to take the trash to put it in the trash can. What I wasn't anticipating was that somebody left the hose out in the middle of the yard. I tripped over the hose and fell flat on my face. See, in darkness, you have to watch your every step, right? Because the darkness is deceptive. You can't see things. In this world that is broken and lost and darkened as Christ followers, we must watch our every step, allowing Christ Jesus to illuminate our path, to guide our path and look to him. This is what the writer is saying. Be careful. Watch how you walk. Watch how you live. Keep watch over your theology. It's easy to be ensnared by the traps and the deceptive talk of this world. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And it says this, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Be careful. Walk with caution in the world that we live in. Allow Christ to illuminate your path. And how, why should we be careful and how is it easy to be ensnared? I think uh, one of the ways that we get in trouble is we want to fit in, right? <laughs> the world wants to make it real easy, real desirable to fit in. And it's always easier to go with the current of culture than it is to go against it. But that's not the call that Christ has given us. He's called us to stand up in our faith. And I think the other way is that we should not let our theology be informed by others. Rather, we should let our theology be informed by the very word of God. Too many times our theology is informed by uh, commentaries or teachers or preachers. Our theology should be informed by the word of God. In other words, we should be diligently seeking the word of God. It's okay to be influenced by commentaries and teachers and your study Bible, but be diligent about seeking the Lord out. Seek him out. There's not a convenient way. There's not a quick way to grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus. We live in a time where we can get everything fast and quick, but can I tell you, when it comes to knowing your Lord and Savior and having a relationship with him, it takes time. It takes effort. Lean into that and make sure that we keep watch over our theology. We live in a time where our culture is deceptive and we see agendas and narratives behind companies and entertainment to push, push false teaching, and, and their tactic is to normalize it. And so we need to stand firm on the word of God. Fourth thing that you can write down as I'm running out of time here is distance yourself from those who spread false teachings. There's a difficult word here and a kind of hard word to understand here, but it says this, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive them into your house. Do not give them greeting. Forever greets him, take part in his wicked ways. All right, first, remember our commandment. We're called to love as Christ has loved us. But those who are false teachers, who are standing in opposition to what Christ stands for and what the morals and teachings of the scriptures are, we're not to be seen as supporting them. 
Uh, the word greeting there. We're not, we're not to be welcoming to them in their, their theology and what they push. In other words, we are to stand firm on Christ and Christ's word. Scripture is pretty clear here, not to identify ourselves. What does that mean? It means we might have to distance ourselves from what we watch, from what we support with our eyes. It means that we might have to distance ourselves from what we listen to. It means that we might have to distance ourselves from the things that we support. We want to be careful as Christ followers not to endorse and embrace anything other than Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He is the Lord over all things. Uh, I heard a great illustration about this many years ago from a pastor, and uh, he was talking about a father and a son who were sitting on their front porch, and uh, probably in a much rural area. If you uh, grew up in the country, you know it was a different pace of life as I did. But he talked about this father and son sitting on the front porch, and they were watching their younger son off in the distance in the pasture. And he had found, because uh, it just rained a few days before, this huge mud hole. And this young man was just having the time of his life in that mud hole, and there was not a part of his body that was not covered in mud. And the father and the older son are watching this, and, and finally the father said to the older son, Hey, son, I want you to go out to that mud hole, and I want you to get your brother out of there, and I want you to clean him up and bring him back to the house. And he said, yes, sir, I'll do it. And so the father left thinking everything was taken care of, and some time had went by, and the father hadn't seen either of his sons. He was kind of beginning to wonder what was going on, and so he went back to the front porch where he saw his, his younger son earlier that day playing in the mud, and there standing on the front porch was the older son and the younger son, and of course the younger son was covered head to toe in mud, and Lo and behold, too, the older son was standing there covered in head to toe in mud. And the father said, son, I, I sent you to go get your brother, not get in there with him. And you're, you're covered from head to toe from mud. What were you doing? He says, dad, I'm sorry. I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> you know, Christ has sent us into this world not to be of the world, but to be separate from it. The mission that he has given us is that we would carry with us the good news of Jesus to help those who are broken and lost and stuck in their sin and needing rescue that only Jesus can provide. He called us to be a light in the darkness, to be a set-apart people. Not to conform to the world, but to be different in the world. That as the world would see us, they would see something different. That they would see our Savior, our rescue, our help, our forgiveness. That they would see the Lord Jesus in us. Jesus prayed. One of his last uh, voiced prayers that we have before his crucifixion, John 17. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, listen to sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them in the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in the truth. Jesus consecrated himself onto the cross, paying fully for our sins, paying fully for our rescue, paying fully for our redemption. Not that we would be alike the world, but that we would be set apart from the world. And that the truth would abide in us. That's our mission. That's our call. 
How do we respond to the world around us that's broken and lost? As we remember the calling that Christ has given us. And we don't forfeit it, we don't forego it, but we hold steady to it. My prayer that as we face a culture and time in our lives in which more and more we're seeing people and organizations standing against what we believe, that we would remind ourselves of our calling and that Jesus sent us to be a set-apart people, his ambassadors, a holy people, a chosen people for his glory and for his kingdom. Let's not forget our calling. Let's not forget Christ has sent us for. This morning, as we close, I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult, and my heart hurts for the generation of those young people that we got to pour into this week at Vacation Bible School. But my challenge to you is not to give up. Jesus told his disciples, In this life, you will have trouble, tribulation. But what did he say? Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Our Lord and Savior has overcome the world. And I believe that because he has overcome, when we put our faith and trust in him, we too can overcome this world. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you. We want to give you all glory and honor. Lord, thank you that you have overcome the world. Lord, we are living in challenging, difficult times, but Lord Jesus, we take heart that you have overcome. Lord, we're so grateful for so many lives that were changed this week at our Vacation Bible School. Thank you for working in a mighty way. And just as so many of those kids took a next step of faith, Lord, you may be calling us to take a next step of faith. Lord, this morning, as we have an opportunity to respond, I pray that we would respond in boldness of faith, trusting you, so this morning, Lord, if there's someone here that needs to take a next step of faith, I pray that they would not leave this place without talking to a counselor, myself, or one of our leaders here to take that next step of faith. Lord, we love you. We give you all praise and honor. And it's in Christ's holy name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's stand. Let's worship. You come as the Lord leads this morning. You come. Yeah.
you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Oh, to know, oh, to know the power of your risen life, and to know you in your sufferings, to become like you in your death, my Lord. And so Father, may that truth be truly in our hearts that we would desire today to know you more. Thank you for the time that we have spent together in your presence, together with each other, and Father, especially together in your word. And we're so grateful that we can come in freedom to a place where your word can be preached and be heard. So Father, now... As you have filled us, help us to go and to share that same truth with those who don't know you. Prepare us for those divine appointments that we'll have this week. And Father, give us boldness to share the truth of the gospel. Jesus came, lived the perfect life, was crucified, died, was buried, and was risen from the dead. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.